You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. PackersTalk.com. You're listening to No Huddle Radio on the Packers Talk Radio Network, your home for in-depth and thoughtful Packers analysis. I'm joined by my friend Gil Martin. He's a writer for the SportsDaily.com and Cheesehead TV, and I'm your host, J.J. Leahy. We're here to talk Packers because you're all here for one thing, and that's a love for Green Bay football. Guiding you through the preseason all the way to week one versus the Saints, we got you covered. If you have a question you'd like answered on the show, hit us up on Twitter, at J.J. Leahy or at Packers, or you can email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. And we did get a couple questions about the first preseason game and our thoughts on that. We're going to get to that in a minute. First, it's time to revisit a couple of debates that we've had on this show. Firstly, the uh, alternate uniforms for this season have been unveiled. You may recall that Gil and I were debating. We went through, you know, we had the clue that the uniform was going to include a shade of green. And so we went back through all of the uniforms throughout Packers history and made our prediction for which uniform we thought they were going to go with. Gil, you said 1935, which had yellow sleeves, yellow pants, big gold numbers on the chest. I said 1950, which was uh, dark green, had gold numbers on the chest, green pants, and some gold stripes on the shoulders. Those were unveiled this week, and they did go with 1950. So here's here's why we're all winners is because they look really good. <laughs> they do. They do. I, I really like them, and uh, I'm glad you were right because, uh, you know, it looks really good the way they, they set them up, and uh, they're going to be wearing those uh, for the home game against the Washington football team in October, and I'm looking forward to that. A couple fun things about these uniforms. First of all, there are there's no G on the helmet in any of the promotional material for these uniforms. My guess is that they are just going to be peeling the um, the Packers logo sticker off of the helmets for that game. So that'll be interesting. You have the all gold helmets out there. Uh, also, they are not calling this a throwback. They are calling it the 1950s classic uniform. But they seem to be emphasizing that this is just um, something new that is inspired by the 50s. And when you do compare the two, um, they are different. You know, and part of that is just that the cut of the shirt is very different than what you wore back then. And these, you know, now we have these really high shoulders. And so those gold stripes have moved up from like the bicep up to really covering more of the shoulder. And it's it's kind of a cool look. I think um, I'm drawing a blank. What What's the... Uh, uh, school. It's, it's not, uh, it's North Dakota, right? Where Trey Lance is from. Yes. It looks similar to me to their uniforms. I think you could do a lot worse than that. North Dakota. But anyway, so, um, I think it's all a little bit funny, a little bit sad. They're using David Bakhtiari in like everything promotional that the Packers ever do. I think it's cause like, you know, he can't really be practicing. So they're like, all right, while everybody else is practicing, Dave, you come on up into the office with us and shoot some some funny videos of like, yeah, you know, uh, I'm David Bakhtiari. I'm going to uh, be surprising this guy with a prank, that kind of stuff. <laughs> He's got time. A lot of time. Man, I, I just want him out in the field. Ugh. Yeah, we all do. We all do. 
a little bit of bad news for the Jets, who the Packers are doing a joint practice with and have their preseason game this week. The Jets have lost defensive end uh, Carl Lawson, season-ending Achilles injury. Very sad. Yeah, you don't want to lose an up-and-coming player before the season even starts. And uh, look, the Jets have enough issues to deal with. So uh, disappointing for him, disappointing for them. But, uh, you know, uh, you, you don't want to see anybody get hurt, really. Yeah, and also uh, Raven Green, former Packer, always hurt when he was with us. He has been placed on IR by the Buccaneers. So on the one hand, like... uh the selfish mean spirited part of me is like, I'm just glad that the Buccaneers did not uh, benefit from our loss, but you know, I always liked Raven. So it does suck that he's hurt again. I, uh, even if it was for the Buccaneers, I still wanted him to do well in the league. I did too. I always liked Raven green. He came across as a, as a very good guy. And, and it was a shame that he was always getting injured. You didn't want to see that. And, I wish him well with his rehab and his recovery, and hopefully he can come back and be ready for 2022. Now, the other thing we want to talk about is that last week we asked for your opinion. Did you think, uh, look, we're, we're trying to predict Taysom Hill or Jameis Winston, who's going to be the starting quarterback for the Saints this year? I made a pretty passionate argument for why I thought that Sean Payton was going to give the job to Taysom Hill. And obviously we don't know uh, what the end result is going to be yet. Those guys are still splitting some some snaps here, but we wanted to let you know what the listeners decided. And 71.9% of the listeners agreed with Gil that Jameis Winston seemed like the clear and obvious choice in their minds. And again, I'll just, I'll just say, look, I'm not saying who I think is the smarter choice because I think Jameis is the better quarterback. I'm just trying to predict who will get the job uh, from, from Sean Payton. But... Yeah, you uh, you definitely won over the listeners with your argument last week, Gil. All right, well, I'll, I'll take that. And look, I'd rather face Taysom Hill, although the Packers always have trouble with unorthodox or mobile quarterbacks. So I kind of have to hesitate before I really go there. Oh, don't worry. We're still facing Kyler Murray, Lamar Jackson, and possibly Trey Lance and Justin Fields this year. So we'll have plenty of uh, mobile and unorthodox quarterbacks to face this year. Okay. All right. So we're going to look at uh, some notes from training camp. Now we're going up against the jets and it's pretty clear which team went 13 and three last year and went to the NFC championship game and which team went two and 14. The Jets have not looked great, but it's been nice. You know, we got uh, Robert Sala and Mike LaFleur, uh, obviously good friends. And uh, in Mike's case, a blood relation to Matt LaFleur. Nice that uh, that those two teams get to work together to, you know, iron sharpens iron, make each other better because they're not playing each other this season. So there's no reason to, like, hide things and, and try and conceal your better plays. No, just go out and just wail on each other and, and, and make each other better. Yeah, and look, the the thing about training camp, you're going up against the same three, four guys every day. You know their tendencies. You know their strengths and weaknesses. And after a while, those drills lose a little bit of their value because you know the, the, the guy you're going up against so well. So you bring in a different team with a different bunch of guys who you're not as familiar with, who are running a slightly different scheme and have a different set of ideas – 
it, even if it's just enough to break up the routine, that's a positive in the dog days of August. So I'm liking this. And look, I know Aaron Rodgers has said in the past he's not a big fan of joint practices, but I, I think there are benefits to be derived from bringing in another team and practicing against them for a couple of days and then playing the preseason game on Saturday. Yeah, and obviously there has been some uh, tightrope walking that LaFleur had to do with Rodgers of like, okay, we're trying to keep him happy, <laughs> uh, and we know that he hates the joint practices, but we're still going to do them because we do think that they're valuable. Uh, and to his credit, Rodgers admitted that he does see some value in it this time around, and it sounds like part of what has been frustrating to him about that Houston, Texas thing was that, or Houston, Texas thing is that it, he felt like those uh, practices that the defense he's going up were really vanilla. And he's like, what's the point in this? It's not any challenge to go up against this defense. That's not actually like trying to trick me. And he said that that's not happening with the jets. And he does like that. So, yeah, I mean, Aaron Rodgers. the, the good thing about this matchup, when you have uh, two coaches who, as you mentioned, are very good friends. I, I, if I'm not mistaken, LaFleur was best man at, at Salah's wedding, or was it the other way around? One but, of those two for sure, yeah. Yeah, one of those two for sure. You know, before the joint practice even started, you heard LaFleur say he said to Salah, bring it. You know, if you're going to blitz, blitz. If you're going to – don't hold back, basically. And I think, you know – the good thing about that is you learn two years ago, you had a vanilla joint practice where minimal things were gained from it. You, you tweak that, you go with a guy who you know well, and you make it into something that you can learn more about more from and, and make it more productive. And to me, that's a sign of growth from Matt LaFleur and it's a step in the right direction. Um, I, was really encouraged by some of the stuff that we saw in the preseason game. How about you? Uh, yeah, there were good points and bad points. I saw some things that I liked and I saw some things that gave me pause for concern. Yeah, for sure. Um, the offensive line looked pretty terrible. Uh, however, you know, it's worth noting that like for all of the railing on social media that we were all doing about Yash Nyman, who we thought looked pretty terrible in that game. It's worth pointing out that offensive line coach Adam Adam Stenovich went out there and he said, "Yeah, I thought Yosh looked great or Yash looked great. I loved what he did." And we're just sitting there like, "Well, you're the expert. I guess we'll just shut up and listen to you." But <laughs> didn't look didn't look awesome to us. No, the the whole you know the the guard play wasn't spectacular. The center play with Josh Myers was okay. And you heard Stenovich and LaFleur sort of – they didn't want to discourage Josh Myers, but they they were – you could tell they were a little disappointed in his performance, but not like, oh, he was terrible. It was more like we expect more from him in the long run, and I think we'll get it. So – Josh Myers. Uh, you know, there was a little bit of that. And yeah, overall, the 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 offensive line was, especially in run blocking, not very good. And then obviously, you know, Jordan Love got hurt in that game, left the game sooner than the original plan was. He was originally going to go into the third quarter and he was pulled after halftime. And, and now it looks like he will not be available or is unlikely to play Saturday. And to me, the problem is that, you know, Love is going to lose very important reps by being hurt and missing this time. Yeah. On the Jordan Love topic, look, 
everybody is all on the same page here that Aaron Rodgers not being here next year is an option that's on the table. The Packers know it. Rodgers knows it. Nobody knows for sure whether that's going to happen, but it's an option that a very real option they're discussing. And it's entirely possible that, I mean, outside of Rodgers getting hurt in the regular season or the playoffs, uh, this playoff or preseason game three might be your last opportunity to evaluate love before you have to make a decision on Rodgers. Yeah. And you, you know, the, the other thing is obviously once the season gets started, he's not going to get the same number of reps and not going to see game action barring heaven forbid a Aaron, an Aaron Rodgers injury or the Packers are ahead 35 to three in the fourth quarter or behind 35 to three or some ridiculous score in the fourth quarter. And it's garbage time. So it, it really is a shame that after missing all of the preseason last year, because there was no preseason, he gets his first game cut short, probably not going to play in the second game. And, you know, we have to see whether or not he'll be healthy enough to play in the final preseason game, but these are valuable reps in practice and in preseason that he's missing. Yeah. Hey, I want to go back to something you said a couple minutes ago. Uh, was it Josh Myers that you said was they need to see a little more from in the uh, preseason game? Well, I think they were a little protective of him. Uh, Myers, you know, they, they didn't say he was bad, but they sort of expected a little bit more from him was the way that it was being phrased in uh, in uh, press conferences. But the guard play in particular was weak, and they actually, in practice on Monday, changed the two starting guards and, and rotated people around. And, and uh, you know, we'll see where that ends up being in preseason game number two this Saturday afternoon. But yeah. obviously, you know, the duo was Runyon and Patrick. And I think in particular, Patrick was, uh, you know, they were disappointed in his performance more than anybody's. Yeah. So that's something interesting to talk about. So, um, so just so I can forget about Josh Myers, cause he's like hanging on the front of my brain here. Uh, Rogers came out on Thursday on Wednesday and said that Myers didn't have the greatest gay, uh, day of practice, but that he expected Myers to do better. And also uh, we had heard earlier on that, you know, he was talking about, yeah, I'm being nicer to Myers than I was to Corey Lindsley. He said, Corey Lindsley called him or texted him and said, Hey, don't be nice to this new rookie center. Be mean to him like you were to me. So <laughs> seems like he's taking that to heart. But yeah, those guards. Um, so 50% of all the pressures in that preseason game came from the two guards. So every other pressure, uh, Josh Myers accounted for zero. So every pressure in that or fi- the other 50% of the pressures came from the tackles and the running backs. I don't think we had uh there may be one from a tight end, but the, the guards did not look good. And we saw it like immediately in practice, temporarily, those two guards lost their jobs. Right. I mean, obviously it was like more of a symbolic, like a slap on the wrist, but you saw Royce Newman out there with, I believe it was Ben Braden. Those two mm-hmm. guys were, were getting some snaps. And so now we are several days removed from that, uh, almost a week removed. And what we're seeing is that Lucas Patrick, look, I've said a few times on this show that I thought 
Lucas Patrick might be a salary cap casualty. And then, <laughs> silly me, I opened my mouth on our show last week and said, yeah, no, nah, I think they're going to keep him around. <laughs> apparently, apparently, I am just bad luck here because Lucas Patrick had such a terrible week. They have been playing him at, at center here in practice, and I don't usually see that as a good sign when they when they move a guy out of his normal position like that because it's not a – it doesn't have to do with Josh Myers. It's more to do with, like, let's see if we really think that Lucas Patrick has a role to play on our offensive line here. So right now our guards are Runyon and Royce Newman. Royce Newman – uh, played very well. I think that PFF had him graded as their highest offensive line player in any preseason game. And, you know, sure enough, he got uh, he got an opportunity to compete for a starting job out of it. So really excited to see that. He was one of the guys I was really excited about in the draft. And I, I like I like seeing him get an opportunity here, but it's bad news for Lucas Patrick. And then Jake Hansen has been taking some snaps at guard as well. I'm not sure that's a great sign for him either. Well, look, we know the Packers value versatility in their offensive linemen. They like guys who can play multiple positions, who can, uh, you know, to get the best five guys available out there in any given week. And we know Elton Jenkins can play all five positions. Lucas Patrick can play any of the three interior positions. Uh, we know Royce Newman can play tackle and guard. John Runyon, they had him at center for part of that uh, first preseason game. We know he could play also guard or tackle. So they're trying to figure out, you know, uh, Billy Turner can play both positions. Uh, they're trying to figure out where guys fit in. And I think with Lucas Patrick in particular, you're looking at a guy who, you know, maybe they're trying to figure out whether they can save a roster spot if they either keep him or don't keep him, depending on how well he does at center. Speaking of saving roster spots, uh, you and I forgot to give our prediction for the five players we thought were going to get cut this season or not this season, this week. Um, I did take to Twitter and I posted a list of eight names that I thought uh, were potential casualties here of those eight names, four of them are no longer uh, on our active roster. So Josh Jackson was traded to the New York Giants for cornerback Isaac Yadam, who is a 2018 third-round pick uh, for the De- was the Denver Broncos. Yeah. Yes, Denver. And, of course, Josh Jackson was the Packers' second-round pick in 2018. Uh, guard Zach Johnson was released. Uh, wide receiver DeAndre Tompkins was placed on IR, and I believe that that means his season's over, but a little bit hard to get a, a uh, accurate summary of that because those rules keep changing. So the the specific rules about, about whether he can come off of IR during the preseason is a little bit murky. I know he would have to make the active roster and then be put on IR in order to come back. But right. let's be realistic. That's not going to happen. No, that's not going to happen. Uh, and then cornerback Stanford Samuels was also released. Now, one guy that I thought maybe and and you also thought was somebody who might get released was kicker J.J. Molson, because we have already seen the backup long snapper and backup punter released. So we thought, well, it makes sense for the backup kicker to follow suit as well. They're hanging on to him and. 
the predominant theory seems to be that they're trying to save Mason Crosby's leg for the regular season and not have him out there kicking very much right now, which makes sense. I mean, Crosby is still one of the best kickers in the league, but he's also, I mean, old as dirt and you, (laughs) (laughs) you really don't want him getting hurt, uh, on really meaningless kicks, like save him for when it matters. So do I think Molson is going to make the 53? Absolutely not. But he might be one of the last guys to get cut so that Crosby doesn't have to kick at all during the preseason. And let's face it, Crosby needs to kick during the preseason about as much as, uh, I don't know, Aaron Rodgers needs to be taking uh, uh, reps with a practice squad. Yeah, yeah. And, and look, the other thing it does uh, is is it gives him a chance to impress another team see what he can do. And if, and if he makes a good impression and obviously we know kickers get cut during the season all the time, someone realizes what he can do. They pick him up. He gets a job. It's a win-win for really for both sides. So we have three new pa- players with the Packers. We have cornerback Dominique Martin, outside linebacker Chauncey Rivers, and also cornerback Isaac Yadam. And in the interest of time on this podcast, I think we should focus most on Isaac Yadam. Gil, what can you tell us about Isaac? Well, the thing is, you know, it was an interesting trade, Josh Jackson for Yadam and both of them high day two draft picks, top 100 picks back in 2018. And both of them have been a bit disappointing. So Yadam has the size that the Packers like. He's about six foot one. His speed is roughly a little bit. He's a little bit faster. I think his 40 time in the combine was about a half a second faster than Josh Jackson. So not a speed demon likes to play press man coverage. That is sort of what he his strength was, according to scouts coming out of college. Obviously, that's not what the Packers are emphasizing this year. He it's a situation where you hope a change of scenery helps him a little bit. But the big advantage in my mind that Yadam has over Josh Jackson, he's more experienced in special teams play. We know how the Packers have struggled in punt and kick coverage in recent years, and they struggled again in preseason game one against Houston for whatever that's worth. Maybe Yadam can come in and give the special teams a little boost if he makes this roster. Well, thank you for that uh, analysis. Obviously, look, Josh Jackson was not going to make the the roster. The fact that they traded him away for you know just a high high athleticism uh, <laughs> flyer on a guy, Jackson wasn't going to make it. It's nice that we at least got something out of Jackson. You get you get a chance to evaluate another guy who, like you said, maybe is a decent special teams contributor. If nothing else. Um, you know, it's, it's, it's another guy who maybe could turn into something on defense. I think you have about the same odds of Yadam, uh, making the roster as you did Josh Jackson before Jackson had that brutal preseason game. Yeah. And, and look, uh, to me, it's a no lose situation because you were going to cut Josh Jackson anyway. So you get a new guy in here. If he doesn't pan out, you're no worse off than you were before. If he does pan out, you benefit from whatever he can contribute, whether it's as a depth cornerback or on special teams. Um, You know, to me, there was nothing to be lost. You got something for Josh Jackson, who wasn't going to make this roster, especially after the way he performed against Houston. Yeah. Hey, we got some injuries we got to talk about. 
Um, I think one of the most notable would be Devin Funches because Funches had such a crazy good preseason game. And look, I, I think I think we probably have a good idea, barring injury, of who our wide receivers are. Um, but Funches' injury maybe changes something here. And I think it's pretty safe to say that the guy who would benefit the most from Funches missing time here is Juwan Winfrey, who has looked crazy good this preseason. Except for one thing. <laughs> He's, He's also, also hurt. hurt. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Equinemia slowly rises. This is my time. <laughs> so, yeah, they're, they're both hurt. Another guy who's hurt is Dennis Kelly. And so Dennis Kelly is that offensive tackle we brought in from the Titans. And I got to say, Dennis Kelly has disappointed in training camp so far. He has not been, in my opinion, as advertised. In fact, as of right now, he doesn't look like he's remotely competing for a starting tackle job. Well, I didn't think he was going to start, but I thought he was being, he was brought in to be Rick Wagner 2.0. He was going to be the swing tackle. He was going to be the guy they would turn to uh, if, you know, someone got hurt and they needed someone to take some reps. And yeah, so far he has not impressed in training camp. Give him time. He's got to acclimate himself to the offense a little bit, to the personnel and all of that. So I'm not panicking yet by any stretch of the imagination, but you want to see a little bit more promise from a guy rather than have him come in and fall flat, which is what he appears to be doing so far. Well, here's something a little bit happier we can talk about. Gil, I'm I'm doing it right now. I'm updating my 53. Kylan Hill is my official running back three now. Yeah, he, he had that nice screen pass touchdown, scored the only touchdown for the Packers. The running game overall looked very bad, except for oh, a couple of late runs by Dexter Williams in garbage time. Uh, but I think a lot of that had to do with a lack of blocking rather than you know, the fact Some that the runners, it. yeah, I mean, there weren't a lot of holes in front of these guys, but Hill's, you know, ability to score on that screen pass was encouraging. And the good thing that I'm hearing out of training camp is his pass protection and his receiving ability appear to be uh, yes. good. The coaches are happy with that. And that I think is what's going to get him a roster spot. And then, you know, whether you keep a Patrick Taylor or a Dexter Williams on the practice squad to sort of back him up remains to be seen or if someone gets hurt. But right now with Aaron Jones, uh, not in practice as a precaution, AJ Dillon missing some practice as a precaution with some minor injuries, uh, Kylan Hill has stepped up and he looks real good. You know who else looks crazy good? And I, I listen, (laughs) <laughs> I thought I was just when I thought I was out. He reeled me back in. <laughs> Let's talk about Oren Burks. My gosh. That oh, yeah. was the Oren Burks that he could have been all along. He looked he looked great. He looked fantastic. Uh, and I was happy to see that. I like this kid. Very happy. I mean, he he looked so good. His first preseason got hurt. Looked Pretty good in his second preseason. Got hurt. I I loved what I saw from him. I liked the way he was just, you know, blitzing and and penetrating and and going, attacking downhill, really. The thing that bothers me is I need to see him do it 
in September, not just in August, and he needs to stay healthy. But I am encouraged. This is the Oren Burks that we thought we were getting when he was drafted three years ago. Yeah, uh, I, I tell you what, look, he's been taking all the snaps on uh, on the Packers' second string defense, and I, has he has always been the most gifted athlete out of our linebacker room. Uh, but he's consistently been the not only the worst performing Packers linebacker, but last year he was he was the worst uh, linebacker in all of football. And if he if he if bringing in Joe Barry, a very successful linebackers coach, is what it took to turn around Oren Burks, man, oh, I'm excited. Yeah, and and you would love to see him you know, give them some depth because I have my concerns about the depth at inside linebacker. You, if you get Oren Burks to be, you know, to reach his potential and you add Devondre Campbell, who I think was a, a solid pickup, you, you take your inside linebacker group from being one of the bigger concerns on this team to being acceptable or even slightly better than acceptable. I, I like that. I, I, it gives me hope. Yeah, maybe we can go from the uh, 32nd best linebacker room to like 29. That'd be cool. <laughs> maybe we could see a similar improvement on special teams as well. By the way, special teams, yeah, they they it looks like it's going to be the same old, same old for special teams, although we have upgraded our returners. Amari and Kylan, uh, I think, are better returners than what we've had the last couple of years. But in terms of the gunners and and all the special teams blocking – I'm not even I'm not asking for great, but can we be like the 20th best special teams? I, I just I would settle for that. Yeah, I'd like us to get into the middle third. That's like my get us somewhere. <laughs> we don't between have like, to be top 16. No, no. Get me somewhere like get me somewhere between like 12th and 20th. You know, get me in the yeah. teens somewhere. I, uh, I'd take it. I, I would take that in a heartbeat. I was not happy with the punt return and kick return coverage. And look, Amari uh, muffed a punt, a penalty nullified that, but he, first of all, he handled the punt inside the 10 yard line, not supposed to do that. Then he didn't catch the ball and then he ran it out of the end zone, which he had to at that point. But you know, that was just one giant cluster, you know what? So it, it, it wasn't um, encouraging. Kylan Hill's returns were average, but you know, what did they give up? A 20 something yard punt return, a 43 yard punt return. Yeah. yeah it, it, it was not pretty. Now on the, on the bright side, a lot of the a players, bright side? well, no, a lot of the players who were on those coverage teams probably won't be on the roster come week one, but boy, you know, if, if this is Maurice Drayton's yeah. first, uh, yeah. a, you know, chance to show what his units can do. I can't say I was impressed. Look, we're we are allowed to be pessimistic, especially about Packers special teams, because we have decades of experience to draw on there. <laughs> um, you, neither you nor I were happy or excited about the Maurice Drayton hire for special teams because you were just promoting the assistant of the last two guys. And we didn't like either the last two guys. I, I, I think I think part of me is like tired of the Packers giving lip service and saying, oh yeah, this year we are prioritizing special teams and then see special teams be the same thing it is every single year. I'd almost rather you just admit that you don't care about special teams <laughs> at this point. 
they can't say that though. But yeah, I, I agree. It, it it is so frustrating because special teams can win a couple of games for you each year, or it could lose a couple of games for you. Absolutely, each it lost year. us that Colts game last year. It lost us the Colts game last year, and and yeah, you just you gotta have. Again, we don't need to be the best special teams unit in the NFL, but boy, oh boy, we can't be the worst or in, in the bottom five. And it seems like we're stuck there. And I know, you know, just from interacting with readers and listeners on Twitter, people are not happy. I mean, you, you, you when when the Packers go to cover a punt, you took the blood pressure of a lot of fans. It's elevated because it oh makes gosh, a, it yeah. makes them nervous. I mean, nothing you could do. Yeah, that's the most unrealistic thing in Madden is that the Packers have like an average special teams unit. I just can't. <laughs> well, hey, if they're going to make a mistake, at least let them benefit it. You know? <laughs> like... Hey, give me your, your prediction here. Do you think the Packers are going to beat the Jets in this preseason game? Keeping, yes. keeping in mind, we don't have a quarterback. You got Kurt Benkert and Jake Dolagala are going to be playing quarterback most likely. Yeah, I know. Not out there. I know. Uh, my honest answer is I don't care. Uh, <laughs> to, to be very honest with you, it's more important to me to see progress from specific players to yes. find out who's going to make this roster. You know, to me, preseason is about numbers 40 through, you know, with the practice squad. What is it? 62, 63 players that you that you end up with. The guys numbered from, like, let's say, 40 to 80 on your camp roster and sort those guys out to see who's going to make the team, who's going to make the practice squad and who's going to be sent away. And, you know, that that's what matters. I want to see the offensive line do better than they did in week one. I want to see the receiver battle for that, you know, sixth spot to, to, to be solidified. Very sorry that Funches and Winfrey have been missing time because both of them were the, were, you know, two of the more promising uh, receivers in camp. I, I, I want to see what Eric Stokes can do if he gets a few more reps. Shamar John Charles, you know, that to me is more important because if you go back over the statistics and look at who was playing in that game, the 30 players against Houston who didn't play were, you know, what were there, 22 starters out of those 30 or 20 right. starters? It, in week one, a lot of these guys aren't going to be there. So to me, do I think we're going to win? Yeah. I mean, the Jets are not all that good, but it's going to be the Packers third string guys against the Jets third string guys. So I don't think it tells us a lot, win or lose. What do you think? Yeah, I man, that's kind of where I'm where I'm at as well. I think we're going to lose because I think I think LaFleur very clearly does not care at all about winning preseason games. That's not even close to his list of priorities. And the fact that they went for it in their own territory on like fourth and four on basically the, the first drive of the game yeah. uh, last week, just tell, tells you everything you need to know about how he views these preseason games. It's kind of like when, ah, man, and I hate to hold up Matt Patricia as any kind of credible NFL authority, but it's kind of like how in his preseason games, he had all of his defensive backs in man coverage like the entire time for all of his preseason games, uh, his final year there. Or uh, I guess the, there were no preseason games the final year there, but in 2019. Right. It's an opportunity to put your guys into specific situations and see what they can do. And 
Let's do this. Let's let's give our prediction for the five guys we think are getting cut this week because I think uh, the cut down from eighty five to eighty is Tuesday. Okay. I I think I have my five guys. Yeah, I have my five guys. Give me yours. Okay. Uh, let me do it. Let me set this up by position. Um, I think at least one, maybe two wide receivers are heading out of town. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I don't think Chris Blair survives this week. I, Chris Blair's I, on my list. Yep. Yeah. I, I, I just don't see where he's going to make this roster at this point because there's just too much uh, depth there. Uh I, I think as much as everybody likes him, I think uh, Bronson Kafusi Ka- is is probably going to be gone, uh, just because there are so many guys at at tight end right now. Well, don't uh, forget Isaac Nod is not there anymore. He's on IR. No, I know, but we brought in a new one. We we, we brought in Daniel Crawford. So. You know what? That that's gonna man. That's gonna be a a storm right there because Aaron Rodgers has been talking up Bronson Kafusi like all week. I know. I know. And, and, you know, go, go figure with that. I think Jake uh, Dolgala may be gone if Jordan Love is is healthy again. So, uh, so there is that. Uh, So that's three. Yep. Uh, I am going to say that. uh, Oh, wow. This is, uh, I have, I have inside linebacker Ray Wilborn. Yeah, my list. that's a possibility. Yeah, because because the other guys you have in that room that you could cut, you got D. John Harris, who has made some good plays yep. recently, yep. and also Carlo Kemp. And I haven't heard much about him, but the Packers have had longer to evaluate Ray Wilborn, and I, t- I have never heard of him doing anything. So I think I probably would put Kemp above Wilborn right now. Yeah, I, I would say that's probably correct. You know who else I think might be gone, but I think... I, I think they'll wait another week, and I hate to see this guy go, but I think he is not going to make the team. Is Kadar Holman? Well, Kadar would make sense. Kadar or Dominique Martin, one of those two depth corners there, because um, KB on Ento we think is probably going to make the fifty-three, right? And that would kind of leave Isaac Yadam on the outside looking in. Unless you think there's any chance that Shamar Jean Charles or Kevin King get cut, and I don't think that anybody believes that either of those guys are getting cut. At least no. nobody's serious. So Kadar or Dominique, I think both of those make some sense, and that is one of the deeper positions on the roster. An offensive another offensive lineman cut would kind of make sense, but I'm not sure who to pick out of there. Like Yash would make sense, except that Stenovich is out there lobbying for him. Yeah, yeah. Boy Kronk hasn't done anything, unfortunately, even though I was pretty high on him. Right. Um, another guy that I think might be out would be Delonte Scott. What about Capra? I, Jacob I, Capra. Yeah, I mean, uh, he's kind of, he's kind of in that same boat for me as Carlo Kemp. Like Capra hasn't really done anything, right? So. You know, it's like, do you do you take a flyer on a guy who has who has uh, yet to prove anything good or bad about himself, or or do you keep the guy who has been around for a while and done nothing? <laughs> so, um, the the deepest positions on the roster are wide receiver, offensive line, and 
inside linebacker, I think you probably lose one from each of those three positions. Okay, so so your five are Chris Blair, Jake Dolagala. I I had been planning to say Dexter Williams, but I'm going to swap him out for Koi Kronk. Okay. But Jake, but I think Jacob Copper and Koi Kronk are like you know flip a coin between those two guys. One of them will probably be gone. Yeah. Who, yeah. Goody probably really likes one of them and doesn't care about the other. <laughs> uh, Ray Wilborn and Delonte Scott are my other two guys. But okay. I but I could really see because outside linebacker is not quite as deep. I could see them moving on from Kadar or Dominique instead of Scott. Mm-hmm. So All that's possible. that's my that's my five. Sounds like we have like three for sure that we think are out. Yeah, and and it seems like we have similar philosophies as to where they're going to go, and it just becomes like, okay, there are these three guys who may go. You think this one is more likely? I think this one is slightly more likely, but we're we're more or less in the same ballpark with this. Yep. Hey, as long as they don't cut you, I'm happy. <laughs> right back at you. <laughs> All right, that does it for today. We'll be right back here next week. Follow us on Twitter at Gil Packers and at JJ Leahy to stay up to date on all things Packers or to ask us questions. You can also email us at asknohuddle at gmail.com. Make sure you're subscribed to Packers Talk on iTunes, Google Play, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Big thanks to PackersTalk.com for powering our show, and thank you for listening. Until next time, go Pack Go. Go Pack Go. You are listening to Packers Talk Radio Network. Packers Talk. Packers.